Welcome to So Many Wrong Notes. I'm Francis. And I'm Jeanette. And this is our first mini episode. Mini-sode. Mini. Mini, mini, mini-sode. And we wanted to introduce a sort of, I guess, educational uh, segment. Because this podcast is ostensibly semi-educational. Semi. Being the very, very operative word. Yes, exactly. Um, but we wanted to do sort of a listening recommendation episode um, where Francis and I talk about our favorite recordings. And it's, you know, one per episode for each person to try to expand what you might be interested in. Um, because there are things we're interested in and we think they're super cool. So... How does that sound, Francis? I think that sounds amazing. Great. Um, also, you paid me the $500 to say that. So. Oh, wait. Oh, Crap. that's funny you think I have $500. That was, my, I know. That was Monopoly money. <laughs> Crap! <laughs> but I bought my... <laughs> Actually, it was Bitcoin. It was... Uh... <laughs> it was Bitcoin. <laughs> Do you uh, want me to start off? I guess I'll start off. Yeah. I will start off with a recording that actually one might expect you to recommend... Um, Ooh. <laughs> yeah, it is Max Richter's Vivaldi Recomposed. Um, ah. Have you heard of this piece? Do you know about I it? Have, I've heard of this piece. I have not actually heard it, but I have heard of this piece. Oh, well, I highly recommend that you listen to the recording by Daniel Hope with okay. the Berlin Symphony Orchestra, now known as the can't say it so i'm embarrassed okay it is i i I, terrible german pronunciation the okay (laughs) concert house camera orchestra berlin symphony orchestra what's wrong with that that was great concert house because I love German accents and I can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Konzerthaus. Konzerthaus Kammer Orchestra. Uh, yeah. Our, our, my favorite is, it's not a tumor. <laughs> um, but, you know, I looked up that clip and it actually is highly disappointing. Wow. It's like better in reenactment. Um, yeah. So this, this recording, um, it, it features the great violinist Daniel Hope. And mm-hmm. also, it has great mixing, so the balance is is just uh, very satisfying, um, like just satisfying basses, um, mm-hmm. and it is a fabulous piece. Or maybe I should use a different word. It is a very beautiful and um, emotionally satisfying work of music. Can I say that less awkwardly? Let's try. This no, again. I thought that was very. Not awkward. <laughs> Thank you for the validation. <laughs> um, well, can you tell me a little bit more about how he, um, how he like basically remixed the Four Seasons? Yes, um, in my unknowledgeable speak about this, um, because this is my introduction. This piece was my introduction to Max Richter, actually. So mm-hmm. my cellist Isaac Malamed, he belongs to the New Century Chamber Ensemble. And mm-hmm. uh, they played this piece. And so when we were looking for the fellows to play something, we thought of this piece because it's, it's very accessible. Max Richter is a, a interesting composer that has written a lot of film scores. Um, he's written a lot of, I guess, people like to classify it as post-classical music. Mm-hmm. It blends a lot of, I think, 
poppy house elements along with traditional classical music. Yeah. I really hope I'm not sounding like an idiot as I talk about this because the terminology for sort of interesting fusion of classical music is so different and 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 not defined and everything has a new term and there's no actual set way of describing these things anymore. Absolutely. And that's part of the exciting thing though, right? It is. That the vocabulary isn't quite there yet. Yes, but it causes a lot of hesitation in my words because I don't know if they're accurate, really. But I would say that my reaction to listening to this recording is it it puts you in an elevated state. At least for for me, I felt like it was just very transporting. It was just like the way that minimalism can be in its best form, I think. Um, and, And... of the piece, uh, Max Richter has said that, and I'm totally paraphrasing because I just read it briefly, was that he was taking the material of Vivaldi and following the structure of it, but then looping it as one does in like trance music. Uh, oh, nice. Music. Yes. And um, it, the, the piece, I mean, Vivaldi's Four Seasons does lend itself to that because of the groove in it. And, Absolutely. And so, yeah, and so his recomposition of it maintains a groove, but using minimalistic techniques. It's very effective. That's great. Yeah. And the, the violin playing in this recording is fantastic. I mean, Daniel Hope is fantastic. At Garth Neal, we had Jennifer Curtis headlining. And she's a, a good friend and also a really fantastic violinist. Um, and there are, there are moments in which she, it's ethereal. I think that it really does follow the structure of Vivaldi, uh, has all the breakdowns, but it does also take it in a way that I think will include a lot more people into the piece, um, people who are not used to classical music, for example. Um, but funny story about this. So um, I was sitting at dinner on Friday night, and mm-hmm. I met this guy who was an NPR journalist for arts and culture, which Ooh. is fascinating. Uh, why am I doing a Velcro thingy? I don't know, but <laughs> it'll be interesting listening for our listeners. <laughs> AMSR. That's an AMSR thing. Crinkle, crinkle. But he said... <laughs> oh, yes. I took... <laughs> ASMR, Jeanette. ASMR. Hi, Francis. How are you today? Is that oh, is that God. what they do? <laughs> That just creeped me out. <laughs> so I gave you tingles. Anyway. Um, yes. So this yeah, I guess so. Go away. So this NPR journalist. This NPR journalist, he had lived in Germany for a while, and he said that one of the most interesting composers right now is Max Richter, in his opinion. And it just came to mind, you know, he didn't mm. know that we had performed the piece, and uh, he was just saying that he thinks Max Richter is doing a lot for classical music right now, and he's out in an entryway for a lot of people. Um, but I think it's it's very smart the way that he did this Vivaldi Four Seasons recomposition, um, really taking traditional elements wow. and you know recomposing it in a way that is not just like oh sticking in modern elements, but just reforming it so that it maintains the integrity but is a completely different feeling. Well, that's a fantastic way of describing it. I want to listen to it now. Yes, and I want to hear your opinion because there's huge harpsichord part in there. Um, okay, just uh, for people who don't know Max Richter, you probably have heard him in some of these things. So he wrote 
the music for the television series The Leftovers. Um, he also wrote music for the Oscar-nominated film Waltz with Bashir, um, as well as the BBC series Taboo, which I did see. Uh, that's the one with Tom Hardy. Oh, I haven't seen that. I haven't heard of any of these projects, actually. Okay, let's go on so that you can hear of one of these projects, at least. The episode of Black Mirror called Nosedive. <laughs> you haven't heard of that one, right? I've not. I don't watch Black Mirror. I'm lame. Okay, fine. Um, he wrote the music to uh, the movie Arrival. Don't which... know it. <laughs> ah, isn't that the one with eight... Um... Okay, never mind. Um, and also Shutter Island, the Scorsese film. Oh, I haven't seen that, but I've heard of it. Okay, good. Or one for ten. Um, <laughs> how about Mary Queen of Scots, the new one, uh, starring like Cersei Ronan and Margot Robbie? Yeah, no, I didn't see that either. Is it Margot Robbie? I don't uh, know. And there, there's a. I see. I didn't know this was actually an HBO series because I don't pay attention to these things. But my brilliant friend, those oh. those novels by Elena Ferrante. Oh. Have you no. read those? I haven't read those. No. Oh, they're really good. Oh. Okay. They're really they're out. fantastic actually. You, you would like it actually, I think. I'm, I'm sure I would. Okay. So, that's that's that. That's my recording. I think people can check it out for free on YouTube. Right. Um so that I mean, maybe I should say you should buy the recording because um you should support support the arts. Absolutely. Buy the recording, check it out, stream it on Spotify. I'm sure it's available. Yes. And we'll also put a link somewhere to that recording. We will put a link to the recording in our show notes, um, which is on our website, somanywrongnotes.com. Somanywrongnotes.com. Oh, segue. No. Um, <laughs> because it's always so awkward when we just stick it into the end of the episode. Absolutely. Honestly, who listens to the end of the episode? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, your turn. It's my turn. Okay. Well, I I think um, you chose something that was sort of more in my line, I guess, because it's Vivaldi. Yes, and because there's harpsichord on it. Because there's harpsichord in it. And I guess I'm choosing something that's more your purview. What is this? It's sort of a cop-out, but it's still something that I'm um, really obsessed with. It's only a cop-out because I've written about it in a blog before. Oh! You but, mean our blog on so many wrong yes, notes.com. Exactly. Our blog on so many wrong notes.com. Check us out. <laughs> um, but it is a recording of Liszt's Hungarian Rhapsody number no. two as performed live by Vladimir Horowitz at Carnegie Hall on February 25th, 1953. Well, Jesus, I should have said the date of my recording. You don't have to do that. 2014. Okay, so uh, 1953. It's a very horrible recording in terms of recording technology. Mm-hmm. But this is what uh, Horowitz comes through. His personality just comes through. Like, mm. it just grabs you by mm. the chest and you just fall in love with his with his sound even if mm. it doesn't like sound good you know what i mean define good well i mean in terms of like recording quality you oh, know, oh. like 
frizzles and frazzles and things like that. Right. But the- you still hear horror that's like unfiltered and, unadul- and unadulterated. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I particularly love about this recording is the first half of the piece he plays as Liszt wrote it, as we're all used to hearing it. Okay. And then the fast part comes and he just goes off the rails and and is improvising all these great things in really interesting ways. He's making themes, uh, list themes kind of interact with each other in ways that list didn't even think about. Right. And it's all 100% Horowitz from that point on. And I'm I'm almost positive that was probably improvised you at the so? moment. Well, if it wasn't improvised, it was. I it could be even a half and half. You know what I mean? Right. Like he figured out some things and then just improvised some other things. Oh I right, don't know. this was live. Yeah, because it was so for sure. Yeah, and it just reminded me so much of what we've lost now. Oh. Because we're going to sound really old. We are, but it, it's that. Well, I mean, we lost it. I think even before we were born, that tradition kind of died. Yes. Was that when Liszt wrote ad lib, which he did in Hungarian Rhapsody number two? Yeah. He really meant ad lib. Right. Right. I mean, Liszt writes an option for you to play, but if he writes ad lib, I think he really meant ad lib. Yeah. Which it, well, are you? It was it Asia. Was there... No, there was no, there's no Ossia, right? Okay. It, sometimes Liszt does write ad lib. Okay. Over something else that he's written. Right. And I think okay. Liszt really wanted you to make something up at that point. No one does that, but Horowitz is still from that tradition. Well, no one has the balls anymore. Exactly. And I admired Horowitz's balls. Yeah. To just completely go off the rails. And yeah. part of the reason why I think it's improvised is that there's some scales that he's improvising that are so fucking sloppy. It's like <laughs> wrong notes everywhere. It does, but that's the, that's the thing. It doesn't matter. You're just, it's just a massive sound. Yeah, and you're just like captivated by what Horowitz is doing. Mm. And it feels so immediate. Yeah. And it just takes this piece that we've all heard like 50 bajillion times before. Because we've all watched Who Framed Roger. Exactly. And it takes this piece, keeps the integrity of the piece, like you said, for the Max Richter. Mm. Keeps the integrity of the piece, but injects Horowitz's personality into it. You know what I'm enjoying right now? What? The immense amount of gesticulation you're doing. I know. So, I mean, as soon as Francis starts talking about Horowitz, his fists start going up and he's jabbing the sky with (laughs) just the urgency of his meaning. It's just this Horowitz. And it took you a while to get to the word balls. But I think that's what you meant with the fist pumping. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what? I, I speak with my hands. It's just too bad. None of you can see that, but I speak with my hands. Which is why I said it. But it's also interesting to me that um, this is our sports. <laughs> you know? We're just like, yeah! Exactly. 
And there's nothing to be said about a recording that makes somebody do that. Exactly. <laughs> and it's just a great recording. And there is... I'm going to link to it on YouTube. Okay. Um, it's such a great... Check it out. It's just... It makes me sad that none of us do this anymore. Yeah. Well, there's volatiles. Yeah, but, you know, it's just I feel like it should be more normal now. Yeah. For some I mean, reason, like with the new music movement and the early music movement, you know, improvisation has become less of a taboo thing. But it's definitely. still taboo when it comes to the actual canon. Yes. It's and, just, I feel like that's a problem that will get worse. Not yeah. Better. Well, I hope it gets better. Right. But I, I mean, that's an interesting discussion. Um, or that it was, I, I was actually having a talk about this with somebody just taking something that is not now improvised and doing that. Um, and it, it really is so subjective. Yeah. Everyone has like a strong opinion about it and usually they don't like it. So I think you're right. I mean. But the, the thing that I loved about the Horovitz is that you just got Horovitz. Listed and disappear, by the yeah. way. I think that's what people fear. Well, because it was... <coughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, because it was in the the intent. Uh, yeah. It was in the spirit of list. So, and I think probably people do view Horowitz as the new list of that time period. Definitely. But I feel like we should all feel the freedom to do that. Yeah. You know what it is? I think it's a lack of confidence, honestly. Oh, that's definitely true, and that we're not trained from the beginning to start improvising, which is also kind of a tragedy. Anywho. Well, I will say this. Um, Francis is very pro-list. Uh, I've he's become pro-list. Yes. I used to not be. Well, I have been a little listed out, but I think, <laughs> I think I'm, I'm starting to turn around. In any event. I like the Horovitz recording of List Hungarian Rhapsody number two. Which we, I've never played, actually. Have you? I've never played it either. I was thinking of picking it up just from hearing that recording. Well, you know, it was one of the pieces I would always sight read when I, you know, when I was a kid. I, my mom had all these libraries of music. Hmm. and So I would just, like, pull things down and sight read. And the things that I always liked to sight read was the Brahms version of the Chaconne. Yeah. Just with yeah. the left hand. And then... Um, List Hungarian Rhapsodies. The the famous ones, not the, the ones that nobody song, knows. Of course, yeah. 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 Okay. So this wraps up our first episode of our what do we call it? Mm, our listening corner. Our listening corner. I like that. You do? Yeah. Okay. Okay, good. <laughs> um so uh if you like this segment, please let us know. Um and please check out the recordings and let us know your thoughts. If you have been enriched, or if you hate them, that's also cool. Yeah. Um, we welcome opposing opinions here. Absolutely. Because it gives us the excuse to fire back. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so leave us a comment on our website or our Facebook page, which is so many wrong notes. Oh, I forgot. We're also on iTunes, but you can't really leave comments there, can you? You can leave a review, though. You can, and please do. Stay tuned for the next mini-episode. Thanks for listening, everybody. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs>